Indeed, there is a war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the victory that you get the final move in this whole thing and that we win. I thank you, Jesus, for tucking each one who listens today into the safety of the palm of your hand, that they will feel your love, your peace, your compassion, your tender mercy, that they will not grow weary in well-doing. Lord God, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of your love, your truth, your peace, your a presence with us, Lord God, that this fight is yours, this battle is won. I thank you, Jesus, for this week as we consider the great um, depths of your love in making the commitment to follow it all the way through to the cross, to take on the death sentence for us, to die because Satan would not relent. He would not be uh, reconciled. And because he would not be, you began to make the journey to death and to resurrection. And thank you, Jesus, that you brought us with you to the death of the cross and to the resurrection, to the eternal life that you've promised, Lord God. It's a passage. It's a, it's a transition from death to life through the cross. And may this week, as people are considering meditating, going through many rituals and programs and motions and plays to reenact uh, the passion of the Christ, that they would truly understand who you are and how what a great sacrifice this has been for all of us, Lord. I thank you now that you come with wisdom and counsel and that we would speak as the oracles of God and that again we cry out and call for your divine holy protection upon us, upon this equipment, upon the radio show, upon its, its um, uh, transmission, upon its being sent out. Father God, that you'd cover our families, those who work for us, pray for us, and love us. The men who stand and having done all stand and have been taking great heated beatings because of their falling for you, Jesus, I pray that you protect your people, your precious sheep. You said we go forth as as um, uh, sheep or lambs among the wolves. So praise you, Jesus. You are God. And I thank you that you encourage us now with this show in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome back. Where have we been? Well, we've, we've been <laughs> out and about, like they say. Oh, my. It's been a long time. Sorry, people. Um, I hope you haven't given up on us. We're back. Um, that was that was a bunch of unavoidable. Did we have some reruns that were on? I think so. But, yeah, you know, I that know. goes. Okay. Well, today we're going to get back into the book of Mark. And it's very interesting, very appropriate topic for the day, isn't it? Well, it certainly Considering is. Considering April 15th is coming <laughs> right on us. It certainly is. As we are recording this, it's getting close to tax time. And, and as we are actually in the process of doing taxes, most yes, of us. Yes, we are. Oh, joy, joy, joy. Oh, but anyway. Render to Caesar, right? Right. And But we're le- learning today about a, a, a gentleman named Matthew who is a uh, tax collector. Yeah. And uh, it's in Mark chapter 2. And uh, I'm just going to, um, well, I'm just going to read the yeah, passage please. here. Yeah, Matthew, Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17. We'll read the passage, and then we'll go back and work our way through it. Uh, then he went out again, and the multitude came to him. Of course, this is referring to Jesus. And he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, who is also known as Matthew, 
He's not the guy that founded the gene company, by the way. So, no, yeah. uh, but he, he just saw, knows he has two names there. He saw, yeah, he, Levi, or Matthew is his name also, the son of Alpheus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Interesting. So we see the setting here as we work our way uh, through these verses. Jesus is teaching by the Sea of uh, Galilee. Uh, Galilee. Mm-hmm. Uh, good place. He had a, he, Jesus had a beach ministry. He yeah. liked he liked the beach, and uh, wanted to be there. And people liked to come to the beach, and and they came to hear Jesus. And the 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 verbs in that verse, interestingly, it says um, they came to him. The word came and the word taught are in the present tense. In other words. What, what this means is that they kept they kept coming mm-hmm. to him, and as they kept coming to him, he kept teaching them. Yeah, this is the first part of his ministry. It's kind of he's launched it already, but he's really getting into the teaching and also the demonstration because he's he has um, uh, people who are not just coming to hear, but they're they're flocking to the beach, to the mountains, wherever he is to be healed and to bring their broken people with them. And most of them, it says, and he healed them. And so many of them were not just coming for the teaching, but they were also coming for, uh, for, he- for yeah, healing. For healing. Yeah. So it's interesting. If you look back through these verses before and then the verses after, all, all through the ministry of Jesus, there is a breakthrough of the kingdom of God the new covenant. Mm-hmm. He is disturbing religious tradition. Oh, yeah. He came to, not to destroy the law, but to fulfill and to complete to yeah. complete and bring in the spirit of the law. But he is constantly messing up <laughs> the religious ideas of the people, and the prejudices, yeah. the pride, the arrogance, the, dead, the, the deadness, the, deadness mm-hmm. the dead traditions, the uh, the commandments of, of right. men that were were regulating mm-hmm. and ruling the religious life of the people yes. and, and and bringing really keeping them in bondage yeah it's like he's hitting his head up against the wall constantly of, of the the wall of the law and and the, the pharisees the sadducees the even the herodians all these people were looking for ways to indict him uh accuse him uh because of his failure to keep the law. And we see this constantly as a theme, not only through the book of Mark, but all through, all through the Bible when they're trying to find ways to catch him in his words or um, you know, uh, set up a scenario where he would try to, they'd try to trap him uh, using the law as their leverage. Right. And, and as we rewind back a few verses into chapter 1, we see what Jesus has already done. Okay, he's in the synagogue in Capernaum, and he cast out a man that had, cast out demons, not didn't cast out the man, cast out the demons. from the, So he's casting out demons right there in church. Right. 
uh, he's healing Peter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Well, on the Sabbath, and, yeah, and then after the Sabbath, he's he's healing, like you said, Margie, healing the sick, casting out demons, mm-hmm. uh, and forgiving sins. Don't forget that forgiving, yes. yeah, the per- paralytic. And, and, oh and, my, yeah, and then he, he stepped was, on the yeah, toes the, of the righteous, there. right, right, religious he's, righteous. He's he's forgiving. He's got who does he think he is mm-hmm. that he can forgive sins? Who gave him this authority? Yeah, yeah and then he he uh, touches a leper. And he heals a leper, uh, touches a leper, which you were not to ever touch a leper. Yeah. They were to be separated, out, mm-hmm. so outcast, really outcast. Cast out. Don't t- so he touches lepers and heals them. He the paralytic, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned, he forgave their sin, uh, the the sin of the paralytic. Mm-hmm. You know where he was. They the his friends tore off the roof and right. ran down in the house that was so crowded. And then, so he's constantly shaking up the establishment, right? And he's doing it again here by calling uh, Matthew or Levi so, as an uh, yeah. IRS guy yeah. to be one of his disciples. Yeah, isn't that isn't that breaking tradition? I mean, it seems like God is always coming up against <laughs> Jesus. Was just absolutely almost like you'd think he's looking for a way to aggravate them. I know he wasn't, but. You know, every t- everywhere he turned, they had a rule, they had a law, they had some restriction, some compulsion that caused people to constantly come under the place of being guilty for breaking a law. And most of the laws people were guilty of breaking weren't even laws God had given them. And so Jesus was coming, you know, and if you see it, it's still here today, the exact, exact, <laughs> exact sure same thing. Well, Be- it's, it's like someone said, there are so many laws that we have in this country. So many laws on the books <laughs> yeah. that probably every one of us are breaking some kind of law, raw regulation, some local regulation of somehow ordinance, zoning, a, ordinance, you something. You can't have a pile of wood stacked more than so high or whatever. I mean, <laughs> but Jesus came and he just came to bring in the new. He came in freedom. to bring in the truth freedom. and freedom and liberty, mm-hmm. breaking through. And really, th- this this is what the... Uh, the old covenant mm-hmm. foreshadowed what he was going to do, but a lot, most of the people just missed the whole point. Well, the the old covenant was based on, first of all, uh, p- before the law of the Ten Commandments came, the promises that Abraham believed. Uh, many, many exactly. hundreds of years before the Ten Commandments, exactly. Abraham w- believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So basically the, the true undergirding of this whole thing is faith in the promises of God, faith in the word of God, faith in the faithfulness of God, believing God, choosing to believe God, uh, no matter what your life looks like or feels like, believing what he says. And, you know, it's like, when God, when, when, when will you do this? When, when, when? And why, 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 why? And these when and why questions that plague us um, are, they're, they're absolutely moot points because, the point is, if God already says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. It's already done, even though it doesn't appear to be done right now. It is finished. So we live on that. And so going back to this this uh, real sharp, uh, again, he's, he's really with the Matthew, choosing of Matthew. He's really, like you said, he is really, um, uh, what would the word be? He's really bringing uh, the, 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 the irony, the uh, irrelevance the, uh, the 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 law has failed to give people freedom and peace the law has only bound them in all kinds of traditions that you know have bound them and you notice that Jesus in choosing his disciples let's talk about yes. the 12 yes he did not choose any scribes pharisees <sighs> no priests 
No. Nope. Uh, um, you, the, the intellectuals, yep. Sadducees, yep. Um, any from the school of any of the Herodians, yep. No uh, rabbis. None of these did he choose. So not one. He's, he's choos- As a matter of fact, he went onto the edges, the fringes of their social well, class th- to this, pull in some people that were pretty, this you know, is, questionable. Got to be very offensive to well, the, the good Jews here, because let me hold on. Wait for I just want to talking about these disciples. Let me just give you their names again, because we have Matthew in there. Um, and we have, you know, of course, they, some of them had many different names. But going back and just looking at these 12 for a minute, mm-hmm. um, you know, Peter was a fisherman. You know, he was a he was a he had an S-corp. He was running his own business. He was his own boss, so to speak. And uh, James and John uh, worked probably with him or they worked for their father Zebedee, but they were of the same occupation. Mm-hmm. So these men were common laborers. They were blue collar workers, um, if in they even wore collars. I'm doubting they did. But and Andrew, a simple, quiet man who, you know, was following John the Baptist, actually, before he followed Jesus. And then when he found Jesus, he went and told his brother, which I can see these two as being pretty direct opposites in terms mm-hmm. of personality. And then so you have James and John, sons of Zebedee. Zebedee, of course, was um, uh, Salome's husband. And Salome was the sister of Mary. So these were cousins of Jesus. Uh, so Zebedee was their uncle by marriage um, and uh, was Jesus's uncle. These were his cousins. But and then you go to Philip. Philip was he found Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel had several names. One of his name was Nathaniel or Bartholomew. Uh, and he was a man who was without guile. He wasn't a dishonest. He was true. He was a truth teller. He was a real um, sought after truth. Yeah, and he was really prejudiced against, you know, Jesus because he said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Skeptical, yeah. He said, those people up in Nazareth, they, they were a rowdy bunch up there Yeah. in, in, in Nazareth. He's a kid, well, that, so guess where Jesus comes from, the rowdy bunch? He comes from a, bad, a town that has a bad <laughs> reputation. reputation. That's our Jesus for you. <laughs> okay, then we have Matthew, the tax collector, who we also see his name was Levi who is also called the son of Alphaeus. Now, that's an interesting last name because there's a quite a few sons of Alphaeus in the collection of of apostles. Then we have Thomas, who was only known by Doubting Thomas. That was his only other name. And then we have James, the son of Alphaeus. Now, he be, Thomas became believing Thomas. Oh, for sure, for sure. But, I mean, he represents a lot of skeptics in, 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 the, in the body you of gotta Christ. you got to show me. Yeah. So each one of these guys kind of brings a different question, a different issue um, into the mix. And then you have James, also known as the son of Alphaeus. So I don't know if Matthew and James were brothers because they were both sons of Alphaeus or there were two different Alphaeuses. It's probably like Jones and Smith. There's probably a lot of them out there. Then you have Thaddeus. Now, he's the one who brings a lot of confusion because in the, the different lists that Matthew and Luke and Mark give, Thaddeus also has the name Judas. He also has the name Labius. Uh, Thaddeus was his surname, obviously, what they're saying. And he was also the son of James. And James um, was the son of Alphaeus. So who knows? They could have all been kind of related. We don't know. And then we have on the fringes of society, we have... Uh, the 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 um uh, the part of the resistance to Rome and that was Simon the Zealot he was also Simon the Canaanite he was he maybe lived in Canaan um but he was part of the gang and then of course we have Judas Iscariot so we have Simon who was kind of a political uh, rabble rouser yep. Simon the Zealot yep. and then we have Simon Peter Peter Simon and his also his other name was Cephas so Peter Simon and Cephas were all Peter so you see there's a lot of even in their names, if you look at the meanings of the names, it gives you a little bit of character description about them. Um, but so he's on—he's in the collecting process right now. Jesus is, and he walks by, 
um, you know, the the tax office. Now, going back to the tax tax idea of tax taxes for a minute, the the um, the the Pharisees and the the the, the uh, resistance to Jesus, they brought up in Matthew later on towards the end. They brought up another opportunity with taxes to to try to corner him and um, you know catch Seems him. Like there's always word. been trouble with ta- over uh, taxes, over taxes yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's very interesting how Jesus paid his taxes too. Um, and he did pay his taxes, actually. We get a record of that as well. But in the Matthew twenty-two thirteen, it says that 15, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Now, they're still plotting in Mark. They're plotting in the early days. This is Matthew towards the end near the crucifixion. And they sent to him their, dis- their disciples with the Herodians. They're, they also had disciples saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person. Flattery, of men. flattery, flattery. Yeah, lies. They had no. They, they. If they would have really believed what they said, they wouldn't be asking him this question. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it lawful? Because the Jews were of the of the mind that it wasn't lawful to pay taxes to Caesar because they didn't uh, they didn't belong to Caesar. They weren't under the rule of Caesar, even though they were. Well, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the Roman Jews, soldiers were running through their streets. The point being is right. The basically Israel at this time was occupied territory, right? And they just, the but they were rebellious. They were like the little kid who's, you know, you tell them to sit down, and they're sitting sitting down in their chair, but they're still standing up in their heart. These Jews were not. They're very feisty people. They're very. I mean, they have a history that goes way back to their their patriarchs of Levi and Simeon, Simon, I'm sorry, and uh, the various ones who uh, slew, they, they were Jacob's children back in the day. They slew a whole city to defend their daughter, their, their sister Diana's honor. I mean, these guys were not, they were not going to be controlled or contained by anybody. And this was their people. But anyway, these were the, the descendants of them. He says, is it, is it lawful? They always use the word law, la, la, la. Everybody's trying to catch us on the law. You chose, you made a choice. It's you broke the law. It's your fault. Your responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And, and then Jesus answered, perceiving, perceived their wickedness and said, he had, he had, he knew they, what they were up to. He wasn't shocked. He wasn't tricked. He wasn't caught off guard. Why do you test me? You hypocrites. I love it. I love the fact that he's, by this time, he's not, you know, I don't know if he ever was mincing his words ever, but this time he's, you hypocrites. I'm so done with you. I'm so done with your lies. I'm so done with your, your, your falsely leading, misleading, misguiding these people, testing me. Jesus, seriously, people, if you don't get this, the whole reason Jesus died on the cross was because of this war between religion and relationship between God's love, God the Father's love, and the old law, the old standard that was given originally as simply a, uh, a temporary measure to identify and protect the people of God until the Messiah would come. And they weren't ready to give it up. They, that was their livelihood. That was their position. And yet the law does not save anyone. Look at the more, the more we pass laws to curtail lawbreaking, the more law-breaking there is. Yeah, exactly. And, and when Jesus used the term hypocrites, there, it, means, it means actors. In other words, oh, he, a, person, a person, the original meaning of it was a hypocrite was an actor. So he was mm-hmm. pretending, he was an actor in a play. You know, he had a role. He's pretending, 
He's the someone he's really not. Right. Okay. And he said, now Jesus never was politically correct. Never. And he's called them hypocrites. And he said in verse 19, show me the tax money. He says, show me the money. <laughs> uh, so they brought him a denarius, denarius, a coin. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? Okay, what's what's on here? You know, if, if you look at our dollar bill, what? what yeah, what, look uh, at our, it, Our people. dollar bill, il- look it, at it closely. It tells you Whose inscription is there? The Illuminati. It, it's the Illuminati the inscription The New World Order. There. Read the it. It's in Latin. Stuff. It's right have. there. Mm-hmm. And then verse 21, they said to him, Caesar's. <laughs> well, that's what it is, Caesar's, the, the rulers, the political system. Who does this belong right? to? Yeah. Uh, the world order, the new world order. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Mm-hmm. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They, they really had nothing more to say right there, okay? Right. So this stuff belongs to Caesar, so then it's okay to End pay of taxes. Conflict, and you yeah. mentioned Jesus, the way he paid his taxes. Yeah. They came to him and said, Well, they say you haven't paid your taxes. They said that to oh, Peter. Well, Does your master pay his taxes? He said, no. Yeah. He says, we're part of the kingdom, and we the, a bigger kingdom, a mm-hmm. greater kingdom, and we really don't have to, but we don't want to offend them. Mm-hmm. So he said, Peter said, he said to Peter, okay, go down to the to the sea and, and, and cast out a hook, and the first catch, fish you catch... Mm-hmm. Open his mouth, and there's a coin that's in the mouth. Peter went, mm-hmm. did that. That mm-hmm. unusual way to to pay your taxes. And yes. I don't know if that works. Well, it doesn't actually, really work for us anymore for paying our taxes. But well, some, in that it case, might be a it did. Like, <laughs> and anyway, it's in chapter 17 of Matthew. Just read that. And they came down. And, um, and when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay taxes? So they're finding out his, you know, it's like, it's like nowadays, check your, their IRS, check their tax returns. I mean, it's like, okay, it does, no, they didn't have uh, 10, what, 10, 40, 49s or 1042s. Or yeah, whatever. Like that. But yeah. he, so does your teacher not pay temple tax? And he said, yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him saying, again, Jesus knew what was going on. And even before Peter said anything to him, what do you think, Simon? So Jesus brings up the subject. From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their own sons or from strangers? Of course, we know the answer to that. And Peter said to him, from strangers. And Jesus said, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, notice we're not the sons of this kingdom, though, are we? He says, um, then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them or they find fault in us and hang us up. Uh, go to the sea and cast in a hook and take the fish that comes up first, like you just said. And when they have, when you've opened his mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me. And you, and it's noticing in the margin it says that was a um, sta starter stabler, um, and it was the exact amount of temple tax for two people. And so, isn't it interesting that one coin was exactly the amount that both Peter and Jesus needed to pay for the temple tax? And it just happened to be in that fish's mouth. Yeah, right. So is, is so, God in control of things or what? And is He able to help you pay your taxes? Yes. Yeah. Yes, He is. And and don't make that an issue. A lot of times, going back to that for one more second, you know, we make all these these temporal, um, political issues the big focus in our lives and get distracted by the real focus. The real focus 
is to follow Jesus as he said to Leah. And it goes back to, you know, back to this, this, these moments here when Jesus sees Matthew, he's just right out there at his office, doing, right yeah. there in his office. And you know, actually, thing. his office was probably in the main, in the street because it, a it lot of things was. were it's probably prob- set up under a tree. It's probably set up under a tree, maybe <laughs> just a stool and a little table, or mm-hmm. you know, what whatever it was, or a crate, or <laughs> and a bodyguard, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but you see, you know, again, these. So he's what the King James calls a publican. Mm-hmm. Or, or basically, it meant as a tax collector. Now, because the the Romans taxed the Jews, um, and the Jews hated the tax collectors. I mean, nobody really is so excited about. I mean, uh, you don't. I haven't seen a bumper sticker that says "Have you hugged your IRS representative today" mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, but these Jews. So Matthew was considered a traitor. To his country, right, and especially by the religious people that mm-hmm. you know these despised Gentiles that are messing around in our country. Yeah. Uh, so th- and they so he's considered a traitor to his own people. Or what, yeah, he's selling out his people. Right, like he sold out to his people, and and of course the uh, publicans or t- tax collectors had the reputation for collecting more taxes mm-hmm. than what was due to line their own pockets. Mm-hmm. And so so G- it, Jesus called this publicly despised uh, man. Rejected. To, to very unreligious, him. very non-religious something person. something en- enraged mm-hmm. the religious elite, as we'll see here. Uh, <coughs> Matthew responds to the call. Right. I mean, he... Now, whether he had met Jesus before that, or heard about him, I'm sure he did. Heard about him, I'm sure he had. But he says he picks, he's picking him out, and and Jesus is picking him out, and he abandons, really lets go of his all his old way of life, and. um, Right. Think about that. Jesus said two words to him, and those are the same exact two words he says to us. He doesn't make our lives complicated with all kinds of religious, you know, prerequisites. He just says, follow me. And think about what that meant for Matthew. Okay, well, well let's talk about this, Jesus. Is, is there a contract here? Do I have any guarantees? I mean, uh, what if this doesn't work out? You know, what am I going to do with all my tax uh, papers and my and my business and uh, my connections with Rome? And uh, so it, there yeah. was, it wasn't just an easy, okay, get up from the chair and follow Jesus, and that's the end of it now. I mean, obviously, it, he he was very excited about it in some ways because at this time Jesus was somewhat of a uh, celebrity, I think, in in the in the common in the eyes of the common people because they saw the truth, they saw the power, they saw the authority, and they saw the hope, and they thought maybe this is the guy. This is, and I'm sure that hope built for over two and a half, maybe three years, um, while the the resistance was also building. The hope was building in the hearts of the people. So Matthew was happy. So Matthew, what did he do then? Um, he he called his friends. Um, well, yeah, he he calls them over. And he says, "Well, we're going to have a dinner party now." Yeah. You know, I don't know if that was exactly right at that same time, or. Um, well, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of time no, lapse between it. I don't think there's a whole lot of time lapse, but like I said, he had to, in a sense. I don't know if he just walked away from the office or he had, like you mm-hmm. said, tell his bosses that, you know, I'm not doing this anymore uh, or what? I'm turning in my two-week notice, whatever. But mm-hmm. 
he, he there's a whole new there was a compelling well, uh in his heart that this is the this is the one I'm going to follow. And he was so, willing to give up some of his lifestyle. And I think that's what following Jesus means. You might have to, we might have to really truly surrender all of It's really called surrendering all, but um, from it kind of goes in stages. So, but so Matthew well, still had a nice house at this point, evidently, yeah, a big yeah, enough house did, to have yeah, his friends, a big, big supper, because Jesus' disciples were following and they went too. And in these days, they would, these, they, they ate in kind of an open, there's a lot of open. I mean, there weren't doors and walls and closed rooms and, and, you know, the dining room. It was people could walk in and out during these meals, and that's what yeah. we see from time to time. And you see that, you see that often in, in, the, in the East, even in, you know, India, Africa. There's open houses, you know, flat roof houses, uh, more open to the, to the public in a sense. So Jesus... So it wasn't, it, yeah. So it was a very public, you know, me- meal, and um, so it says, and he was eat, and so then the scribes and the Pharisees well, caught wind of it, saw right. him in this place in Matthew's house, Levi's house, eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. Well, it's it's like it said, it couldn't have happened just like right at the same time because he had we would have had to have time to invite his fellow tax collectors, right? To, which to, yeah, to come maybe it was out, uh, April fifteenth, and they were all done, and yeah, they yeah, up. it could be <laughs> April sixteenth or okay. something. And Matthew says, I'm retiring. I'm retiring early. This is my retirement party. Taking an early retirement <laughs> to follow Jesus. But notice how the Pharisees and the scribes got wind of it. And like dogs, they began to sniff around and see what's going on here. And they, so they recognized other tax collectors and sinners. And, and then they began to criticize Jesus. And it, it's so often Jesus gets criticized, and we'll see this again, for eating or not eating for uh, his disciples, you know, snatching heads of grain on the Sabbath. Um, There's just, you know, fasting, not fasting. They're always harping on Jesus for something. Well, you know, just a little bit more about the who these scribes and Pharisees were. The scribes were the professional interpreters of the law Mm. who especially emphasized the traditions. And many of the scribes were Pharisees. And so they they had respect for the law. They were committed to uh, obeying the law, and protecting uh, it. Gatekeepers they, but they of the denied law denied the authority of Jesus to, uh, in their minds, reinterpret. They did the not law. recognize him as yeah. above the law, basically, they, because Jesus did not obey their minute of traditions. Uh, they rejected him, and then of course the Pharisees were a strict group of religious Jews. They advocated minute obedience to the laws and traditions. Mm-hmm. They were very influential in the synagogues. They believed in the resurrection of the dead, and, and uh, they were committed to obeying God's will as they understood it. But they, mm-hmm. uh, you know... They were actually hatchet men for hell at this point because, you see, the thing is when you when you ex- extrapolate the law and then you, you become obsessed, like people who are germaphobes or people, pe- I shouldn't, you know... People are afraid of this, and then it just extends to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, until you're obsessed and compulsive about many, many things that you've already lost the point of divine protection and peace, and you're trying to keep peace and control things yourself. But so they were obsessing about the law, and they actually were. Uh, there was a religious neurosis that was going on, I think, as a disease among the, and it was a mental illness that was causing these people to be so um, infuriated and obsessed and uh, driven to find fault with Jesus. There was no peace with them. Well, the thing is, too, Jesus was not 
keeping their little traditions, religious traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's, yeah. That was the number one reason why they couldn't accept him. Right. And then the second reason was that he hung out with sinners, tax collectors. Right. The people he associated with. The Pharisees were known as the separated ones, the holy ones. We are separate from sinners, even though they didn't realize how holier than thou. That's where you get that that holier than thou type thing. Mm -hmm. And you don't associate with these these this scum of the earth. And and you know the whole deal too was that you don't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. But then Jesus, we see uh, all through his ministry, he's gradually opening up the. The way, uh, the the way for the commoners f- to the Gentile world. The sinners, this is yeah. the non-Jew Jewish, Jewish world. world. Well, going back for a minute to again the Pharisees and the scribes in Matthew 15, um, where you're talking about um, their uh, meticulous scrutiny of Jesus, and, and this is 15:1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, "Why do your disciples transgress the traditions, the tradition of the elders?" Or they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Okay, so now we're finding fault because not what you eat, but you don't wash your hands before you eat. And he answered and said well, to let them. Me, let me just say that th- th- this was not just, you know, because of sanitary reasons. They had ceremonial washings. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you'd go in the bathroom and wash your you know, hands. put your soft soap on and pff, wash, wash your hands mm-hmm. before you eat. It was, it was a special ceremonial kind of washing that they had developed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were bummed out about that and, Jesus wasn't but, following. But he answered and said to them, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? They're, so they're asking him, them, him why he transgresses their traditions. He says, well, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your traditions? For God commanded saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or his mother, whatever profit you might have received from me has been dedicated to the temple. In other words, I gave away any kind of money I was going to give you to support you in your old age. I gave it to the temple. And you say that that person who gives it to the temple is released from honoring his father and mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So God's commandment in honoring your father and mother was to care for them, love them. Um, and you know, he didn't say obey them. There, there comes a time when we don't have to obey our parents anymore because we're honoring them now. We're old enough to make our own choices and decisions, and we are, you know, responsible to God for those. And we can't be held captive by the fears and traditions of our parents, but we can still honor them for their who they are. But he says to me again, he uses this word. He says to them, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, these, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. For in vain they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Here you see again the, the, what we're talking about in this clash between religion, traditions, commandments of, of men, and what God has to say. So it's, it's very, and again, in choosing Matthew, uh, the tax collector, it was a big, you know, just a big, we bring this clash back into center stage well. again. It it was it was bordering on scandalous. So, I mean, but but now you know they've criticized him for not for not washing his hands properly, and now they're criticizing him for eating with sinners. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors, plural and sinners, they said to him, "How is it that he eats with and drinks with tax collectors and sinners?" Um, they're criticizing him 
for eating, for not eating, for eating with certain people, for not washing his hands. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, you know what? It's really, they're just plain old crabby, it's aren't just they? Pick, pick, pick. Yeah, pick, yeah, pick, exactly. Pick, pick, all the way through. But in this statement, asking this question, if you're so holy, Jesus, why are you hanging out with sinners, these unclean people? You know, their germs, their sins might jump on you, might contaminate you, might ruin your reputation. You have to stay um, separate from all these. Touch not the unclean and, and the lepers. And you're just you're just rubbing elbows with all these these dirty, filthy sinners and lepers. And, and it's, it's bugging us. And and notice Jesus was not, he was sitting with them, but he was not sinning with them. He wasn't sinning, yes, he was sitting. He was sitting with <laughs> them, but not sinning with them. No, and okay. so we, we come up with that, well, you know, how, what kind of relationship should we, ha- should we have with the ungodly, with the sinners? How can we, well, Jesus shows us here what to do. Jesus was accused of being a friend of publicans and sinners. He was accused, That yeah. was an indictment. But that was really, this is why he came. Yeah. He, he says it right here. He says, sinners. he says, and Jesus heard them. And he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And since you consider yourself as righteous and don't need me, then I've simply come for these sinners and publicans and tax collectors, well, you know, because they were judging him for and wanted him to reject those people like they rejected him. I believe Jesus was uh, speaking tongue-in-cheek right here. Yeah, because he... Because yeah. he says, you know, because there's none righteous. They thought they were righteous, but they were... Well, we've all sinned. You know, mm-hmm. R- Romans 3.10 says there's, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. The scribes and Pharisees, of course, thought they were righteous mm-hmm. because they kept all... They were working to keep all these They're rules. They were working, and, yes. In the process of their efforts to keeping all their religious rules, mm-hmm. they were breaking the law the, of love. The law of love. The heart they of were God. breaking the heart of God. Mm-hmm. The what God was really. They were breaking what God was really looking for uh, in the hearts of, of exactly. People. And you know, it's like truth is a progressive revelation. It doesn't change. Uh, but it, it it it's like a little um little seed, and you put it in the ground and it begins to grow and you recognize it as a, a, a sapling or a seedling of an oak tree, and it begins to grow and as it grows it reveals itself it it it, it becomes a huge oak tree with many branches and many places for the birds to sit and leaves and beauty and strength and whatever. But it, it but it's always been the same oak tree. It's just revealing itself. This it's always been the same truth. The truth that was revealed to Adam and Eve in the garden. And the uh, what they began to understand uh, was revealed more and more through the prophets, through Isaiah, through uh, Jeremiah, through David the psalmist. That, that, and, and it was, continues to be revealed. And he even, even here, what's happening at this juncture is God is saying that the revelation of the truth has never changed. And the law was only a part. The, the law wasn't the final destination of this uh, revelation, that truth goes on to show the difference between the contract and the covenant, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's very clear. Why do we have an Old Testament and a New Testament, an Old Covenant and a New Covenant? Because there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. There is a place where it changed over, and that place is the cross, that place where, where the law, see the law, Satan 
actually ultimately becomes the biggest lawbreaker and the biggest tattletale and the biggest keeper of the law or a whole, you know, he's the one who tries to keep that law, make us keep the law. And, and in the process, he obviously tries to destroy us. Jesus came for sinners. He didn't, it's, it's not for, he didn't come for people who, yeah, he came for everyone. And those who... Th- whosoever as as, will is who he came for. He came think, for whosoever will. As, as long as we think we're good enough, you and know, we don't need we're him. not going to connect. But when you realize, mm-hmm. we realize our sinfulness, yeah. then we can we can repent, we can turn around. And that's well, he call, what he came to call sinners to repentance. And, and I think sinners, most of us who are, you know, come through that sin... Uh, experience, lost, devastated, you come to the end of yourself and you surrender and you finally say, I can't do this. Exactly. Um, it's I can't do this anymore. And the, the word of God says, we can of our own self do nothing. And so what you have to get to that place of surrender before, and death actually, because the new birth requires an old death. It requires the death to the old uh, man, the old way of thinking, our own carnal ways, our own taking matters into our own hands and and that death then releases us into the newness of new birth new life uh, born again experience yeah let me tell you a little bit about a man who realized his need and one who really didn't okay in luke 18:9 all it says also he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous mm-hmm. and despised others mm-hmm. so that always goes together mm-hmm. if you trust yeah. if you trust uh, that you're righteous, you're, you're right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're self, you have self righteousness. Then you're looking down at other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're, you're judging them. Yeah. And he says there two men went up. Luke eighteen nine through fourteen, uh, verse ten. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Both what apparently you know they wanted to touch Talk base to with God. God, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Ooh, here's another tax collector. Maybe after the the <laughs> supper he went and <laughs> repented. Maybe it, he had it, to have it, a go it, have a talk it, with Jesus. You know what? It's a parable. I mean... Yeah, he could know. have been one of the tax collectors it, that was it, actually it, at it, the it, meal. It, you it, never it know. could have been Zacchaeus. You never know. Zacchaeus was a, the little guy that climbed yeah, up in the tree. Yeah, another tax collector. He was a tax collector. You know, we're not it talking about... A, there's a, there's not that many people in this story altogether. I mean, these people probably know each other, rub shoulders, run into each other, have heard... Well, I'm sure Matthew knew Zacchaeus. Yeah, well, I'm sure he did. They probably, you know, knew each other. But anyway, verse 11, the Pharisee stood, okay, stood, okay, and prayed thus... With himself. Wait a minute. I'm my own God, right? I suppose you're supposed to pray to God, Mm -hmm. have prayer with God. He says he prayed with himself. That doesn't really do you any good. (laughs) God, I thank you that I am just, that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Mm, Small. Even as this tax collector, he's he's thinking. Comparing himself, yeah. Down on the other end of the altar here. I'm thank God I'm not like this creep. That's yeah, what he's this, saying. The sinner. He says, "Look what I do. I fast twice a week. Ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I give tithes of all I possess. Ah, and the tax. But then the tax collector. Look at the contrast. Standing afar off. Yeah. He's probably maybe he's, he's out back in the back pew of the church or something. You know. In the back of the church, back probably. Of the church, back of the temple. In the corner, in the shadows. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Mm-hmm. And what Jesus says, "I tell you, this man 
the one, the tax collector, went down to his house justified. He, he came right with God mm-hmm. rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be uh, exalted. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Yes. yes, it seems like, you know, nowadays the whole uh, new world order, old world order, new paganism, old paganism, it's all about me, 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 and exalting myself and becoming my own God. And this is actually not switching subjects so much, but um, just extrapolating a little bit that as the uh, the 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 antichrist appears on board on board he's here but i'm he hasn't quite revealed himself yet and he sets up his beast system and his um you know mark of the beast stuff one of the baiting that's going to bait the people is this idea of either virtual reality or they can be their own god and you know this man he even though there wasn't a antichrist right there this man was already primed for that kind of a uh, uh, you know, suggestion, temptation, allurement, uh, snare, hook. And so for all of us, it's it, humility and, and knowing that I can of my own self do nothing, really staying in that place of not judging other people. And as you see here, the Pharisees uh, were judging Jesus for eating with sinners and judging the sinners for being sinners. And Jesus, you know, what is he going to say? I mean, this is endless what they, and, and yet a lot of what he responded to them um, was in parables and he didn't make it always really clear to them. Um, but he said, I've come to call the righteous, uh, not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So t- until you identify yourself as a sinner, you can't even receive the call. You can't even hear the call or res- let alone respond to the call. Jesus <clears throat> said, uh, Luke nineteen ten. he said, the son of man is to has come to seek and to save that, that which, which is, is lost. lost. The, the publicans, mm-hmm. the tax collectors, the sinners, the Pharisees, the scribes. He came for everyone. And uh, whosoever will again, right? Whosoever's willing to admit they need a savior. Um, that's he says. Um, in John chapter three, just skipping there, they were talking about condemnation. And Jesus, did you come to condemn? Um, and why are you here? And it, and we know the the verse for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now this is a real Jesus is saying this. This is a very this John three sixteen that everybody knows about is such a pivotal pivotal uh, verse where God is now revealing Himself as um, the uh, one who loves. He loves He loves the world. He gave His only begotten Son. This is what they had to do that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. All the rest are going to perish. And so then um, the question, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is saying this. So the world is already condemned. The world is already lost. The world can't pay the price. The devil has sewn up the deal. We're all prisoners slated to die. Just a matter of when. And then 18 says, and he who believe, but he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Um, for this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Therefore, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Mm-hmm. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So people are these these people are trying to hide their true self, their true nature, their deeds. Um, so that they can look good, so that they can look like they don't need us. They're just fooling themselves. These people out there today in the world, for the most part, are super 
super incredibly lost, deceived, and locked into huge strongholds of yeah, deception. Yeah, like Jesus said, those that are whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. And basically what he's, what he's saying, that this whole world, every one of us, religious, we're all religious in one way or another, but whether we think we're goody two-shoes or we just feel like we're ready to take our own life because everything's so hopeless. Or we've tried so hard to keep our religious traditions to, that we were born yeah, in, and right. we, we believe, we, we're giving our salvation over to the care and keeping of an institution, and most of those institutions are very super corrupt, and the people in them, not all of them, but many of them, are very, very devious and yet we stick with that because it's all we've known and that's what we believe is true. But Jesus doesn't call us to an institution. He doesn't call us to a denomination. He calls us to repentance. He calls, he calls us to, that means to change your mind. Stop going in the wrong direction. Turn around. Change your mind. Repent means change your mind. Turn around. Go in the right direction. And this, there's no other Savior. There's no other way, means, way, method that whereby men can be saved except through him, his Jesus. blood, because that is where the death penalty was paid for, through his blood. And if you don't accept the salvation sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then you have to pay for your own sins. You have to pay with your own life. Yes, exactly. Let's move on here for a few minutes here on um, verse 18, verses 18 through 22 of Mark. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting, then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast when the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. For the days will come when the, when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. So again, they're challenging him. They say, okay, now, those that... Disciples of John and the Pharisees. Yeah, the, John's disciples fasted fast. a lot. They did. And there's nothing wrong with uh, the, the, the fasting. But Jesus said, right now, here's the deal. I, I am with my people. This is more of a party than a fast. This is more of a positive, the happy bridegroom, time. The bridegroom, he's time. talking about the bridegroom. He's, he's talking about like at, at, at a wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't really... Fast. You don't go wedding, to a wedding fasting, a right? Wedding you don't plan. You're you not going to go there to, to participate. Eat yeah, and participate and fellowship. Well, and that rejoice. that is when you eat at a fellowship at a, a thing like that. You're you're agreeing. You're celebrating. You're you're acknowledging. You're, right. you're joining. You're eating bread together. Exactly. Um, and so that's what he was doing with his disciples. And I'm sure they didn't overeat anyway. But notice that John's disciples were also in with the Pharisees. Uh, at this point, asking this question, I, I think John's disciples were a little confused, like, okay, well, we were following John. Now, John isn't here anymore. Um, you know, what are you saying different than John? He wasn't, Jesus was not saying anything different than John. He was, but John wasn't saying as much as Jesus. John no, did not have the full true. revelation 
that of, of Jesus dying on the cross. He didn't know that. I mean, he died. He died before that was part of common knowledge when Jesus was starting to speak to the disciples about that. Right. So yeah. they 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 just knew that they were coming to herald the coming of the Messiah, and right. that was John's job. So there was a tra- right. There was a transition that they had to make too, from mm-hmm. John. To Jesus. Oh, well, that's what Andrew did. He and was that's one what of Andrew those. did. He was a, a transitional guy. So in this, in this whole thing again, there's a sweeping transition, Marjorie, from yeah, from 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 the law, yeah, from the law to to grace, and so everybody has to really adjust to that. Now, in, when Jesus said he gave in the Sermon on the Mount, in uh, Matthew six sixteen through eighteen, he says. He gave us basic instructions for fasting. There's a time fasting is good mm-hmm. uh, in, in, the, in the new covenant here. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Yeah. Oh, they disfigure their faces that they may appear to be men to be fasting. Oh, I'm sacrificing. I haven't eaten for three I'm days. I'm so holy. I'm so religious. I'm so holy. You know, you don't shave. You don't wash your face. Yeah. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. In other words, they have the pity, the, the sympathy, the admi- admiration of the people, uh, of the of people, people around them that yeah. are basically hypocritical. What anyway? But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, hey, don't tell anybody. Put about on it. your makeup, wash your hair, take a shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting but to your Father who is in the secret, secret. place. Mm-hmm. And your Father who sees in secret will be rewarding you openly. This is, the fasting is a way of really of worshiping God. Mm-hmm. It's a way of, of tuning yourself in to Calming to the, and quieting yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something about your spirit. That's what he says too about develops. going into the closet and pray to God. And yep. so I know that um, we're just about out of time here, but the thing is one thing with fasting too is that there's um, there's so many people that fasting becomes a legalistic thing to them or a religious thing, you know, to them. And so that there's, there's, there's nothing more that, you know, they, they, they lose the effects, the positive spiritual effects of the fast because they fast for 40 days. You know what? If, if you're not called to a 40 day fast, do not do it because it'll hurt your body. The only way you can do something. And why would you do that? Why do you need to do that? Uh, that makes it all again about, well, I've got to make, you know, get God's attention. I've got to beat my body so that God will hear me. That's what kind of a God is that? You know, is that the way you want your children to come to you? They got to fast for 40 days before they can come and ask you uh, if they can go over to their friend's house. I mean, it's like the fasting comes more out of a grieving and out of a uh, a sorrow, you know, for um for what we're seeing and for God petitioning God and and uh, that's what it is. It's it's not all this uh, religious rhetoric that people like to make you go through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's something that you can do. And there's good guidelines that you can get. And there's yeah. a, there's a there's a book that I read years ago, and I normally don't recommend books except life recovery books, right? Yes. Yes, yes. Life Recovery has and books. And they're not self-help yes. things. But as Go far to as the guys, website. There's a book called uh, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace, W-A-L-L-I-S. And it's an older book, and you, you might not, probably not going to find it in your regular Christian bookstore. You have to go online to get it. 
but it does give some really good practical guidelines for for fasting unto the Lord. And Jesus gave us Christ. Well, I think that, I think one of the most the hidden good best hidden benefit of fasting is so many people these days have made their stomach their god. And that's talked about I think in Philippians. Uh, but you know your stomach is not to rule over your cravings uh, are not to rule over you. Your food is meant to be a, a, new, a blessing, a gift from God. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus acknowledged that in the Our Father. Um, but it's not to be, you know, uh, a, a play. People use it for comfort. They use it for, uh, you know, just, and I don't even think all the food that they're eating, obviously they don't need it all. Obviously it becomes a detriment. Obviously people are too, uh, they're hooked and addicted to food, sugars, whatever it is that become actually used by the enemy to destroy the beautiful temple of the Most High. You see, babies aren't usually born obese, but by the time we get through with how we've run our life and run our body um, on the planet, and because of the many uh, physical and mental, emotional resistances and poisons and toxins and, and fears and whatnot, many people are just devastated. Their bodies have become trashed uh, by the enemy who decided to, you know, we are made in the image of God and and so all Satan wants to do is corrupt the image, and that's how he does it a lot of times through food. And fasting, it can be on the other side of that spectrum. Food can be a problem either way, eating too much or not enough, being right. anorexic, being bulimic, being, you know, all of these things. We have to eat our food with joy and gladness, and if God calls you to a fast, then submit to it. And, and personally, if God calls me to a fast, I say, Lord, and take away the hunger so that I can fast without getting all distracted uh, by if you're just you know you're either fasting and you're just all you're doing is thinking about food you know it's, it's that's tough it's not good yeah but i mean there's good there's spiritual reasons um you know you need to be and you know another God thing the spiritual reasons <laughs> yeah. is that one of the things that i found with fasting is it makes you more sensitive to the spiritual realm yeah to the holy spirit and to the work of of what the enemy Going is on, doing right and, it, it. and there's a purging that takes place usually mm-hmm. There's a de- there's a detoxification with a proper fast you can actually helps to detoxify right. your body right. and it and it really helps detoxify your spiritual life also that's right as you're doing it as unto the Lord so right so the again fasting as with everything that belongs to you everything that's in your life every thought every word every relationship. Everything must be submitted to the Lord God and be under the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Be led to by Jesus, by the Spirit of God within you, and follow him. Don't be doing something because everybody else says to do it, or our church is going on a 30-day fast or whatever. You seek the Lord yourself. I mean, it's nice to be in cooperation, in cooperation and incorporate this or that um, to demonstrate a, uni- a united uh, appeal or prayer request or whatever, Not, but, but at the same time, Seek the Lord for what he's calling you to do. And again, I think it's much more difficult, actually, to live a fasted lifestyle than it is to fast. Exactly. Because if you live a fasted lifestyle, that's, that means you aren't indulging in all of the things that, you know, look appealing. And, the you know, in these last days, two things. Do not eat the king's food or take the king's medicine his his yeah. meal is meat or his medicine. Do not take eat what is set before you that the Lord God provides for you, and eat it with worship and with gratitude and thanksgiving, and eat it as unto the Lord because eating is a holy act, just like 
everything else we do is meant to be holy and and as an act of worship to God. So again, we'll probably have to get into next week a little bit yeah, more about the yeah. wineskins. And I was saying to one more thought about fasting. Uh, fasting is not a religious attempt to arm wrestle God into getting get, yep, what you exactly. want. Exactly. All right. So uh, the, the way to arm wrestle God is to rest, worship, and receive the revelation and of Jesus Christ him. and rejoice. Just, just be obedient. And as we're coming in into this week, yeah, we're coming into yeah. this weekend now with people. We didn't talk about. Um, Easter. Easter means Ashtar. It's the feast of a, of a pagan fertility god. That's what where we get the name Easter from, and all the rabbits and all the the um, chicks. Chicks. It's it that it's, it's Satan's narrative. It's his it's his narrative uh, to cover, uh, corrupt, um, conceal the true revelation of this precious resurrection of Jesus Christ. This death and resurrection. This most important uh, meditated. Uh, um, most important uh, time of meditating on the most concentrated, powerful revelation of God, demonstration of God's love that he's ever given. This is all compacted in this one week of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so do not be distracted with Easter rabbits and, you know, whatever. Recognize that this is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he rose from the dead because he could eat with sinners and publicans, because he was not ashamed of us, that he came to seek and save that which is lost, that we can be found. And so, Father, we thank you again for your willingness to lay down your, 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 your godhood in, su- in such a way as to come down to the earth to be with us, to rescue, redeem, restore, to die in our place, to set us free from the relentless charges and hatred of Satan. So may everyone this week, as we go through the resurrection and through the rejoicing and singing the songs and and, and examining uh, or meditating on the cross, that you will give, release tremendous, powerful, cleansing, liberating revelations to the people that they will walk in the fullness of knowing who you are and who they are. In Jesus' name, we ask these things, Father, and for your glory. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.